and welcome once again to another episode of the Horizon Roundtable. I am Bob McDonald, and you can find me on Twitter at Bob McDonald. And joining me, of course, is my co-host Jimmy Lemke. Jimmy Lemke at Panther U on Twitter, and uh, also you know other stuff. Other stuff, yes. And you can find the podcast on Twitter at Horizon RT. And Jimmy, of course, this is the second part of our fall fan forum. So without any delay, let's go ahead and reintroduce everybody. Uh, Phil, you're over at Cleveland State. And, uh, reintroduce yourself. Hello, everyone. Yeah. Uh, Rick... Hello, Phil. Hello, Phil. <laughs> uh, we got we got Rick. Chad Canodal. O- yeah, so Chad Canoto can doing? introduce himself and then go pack for the UP. Yes, you got to go pack for the UP. Upper Peninsula of Michigan for those of you scoring at home. Right. My name's Chad Canodal, uh from the great University of Wisconsin-Milwaukee, depending on who you talk to. Okay. Um, and then uh, Chris uh, Christopher Boggs, yeah, I know you got to get going because apparently there's a chicken dance going on in Oktoberfest. That is correct. A naked chicken dance. And oh. that's that's what I would be into. Oh, so, yeah. That's, um, that's not negotiable. Get out of here. Yeah, yeah got, got to do representing that. Representing Northern hey. Kentucky did a great job in the first part, and we won't we won't hesitate. To, but, yes, have a good time. It sounds like you already have, I guess. Thanks, guys. So. Hey, good stuff. Really good stuff on that first episode. All Cheers. Right. Yeah, appreciate it. Appreciate oh, no, joining no, no, us. No. <laughs> oh, God. Um, uh, Rick Neaton over at, uh, over at uh, Detroit Mercy, please reintroduce yourself. Hi, guys. Rick Neaton again. Obviously, uh, Chick-fil-A is not sponsoring the chicken dance at Northern Kentucky. Um, it is not on a, not a, not a Sunday, it isn't. <laughs> and not in that situation. Um, Ricky Redinger, uh, Wright State. How are you doing, guys? Happy to be back again. Uh, Jim Saro over at uh, Green Bay. Hey, Bob. Thanks again. It's uh, Jim Saro at Jim Saro. And I just learned that the UP in IUPUI does not stand for Upper Peninsula. So I learned something today. <laughs> there you go. <laughs> and, and last but not least, uh, last but not least, uh, representing uh, Oakland and the Grizz gang, I might add, Chris Cousineau. Yep. Thanks for having me, Bob. I'm a senior here at Oakland University, vice president of Grizz gang. And I also play the alto sax one in the pep band and all the basketball games. Sick. Yes. So uh, we... So when we last left off, uh, we were talking about kind of the situations with all the teams. Um, Rick, I wanted to talk to you, spe- talk specifically about the situation at Detroit Mercy as it relates to the AP, the, the APR ban, which, by the way, since this is, uh, this is being broadcast probably the week of September 29th, may or may not be resolved by the NCAA. So the next, uh, next five, ten minutes of this might be complete crap, for, uh, complete lie for all we know. Um, but... With regardless of how that situation come plays out, we're not going to make any prognostications how that's going to happen because we don't want to turn out to look like chumps if it goes the other way. But how has that whole situation affected Detroit Mercy as a whole? As it in terms of in terms of the team, because I know it's it's already it can't be it can't be great having that cloud over you know still hanging over the hanging over campus. Well, we'd prefer not to have it hanging over campus. Exactly. But it's out of it's out of our control because of simply the way that the APR is calculated and the way that it was uh, set up in the pre-transfer portal era. And so most people understand 
that it is a product of an unusually large number of transfers and the unique situation that the last two guys to transfer out in the summer of 2018 never enrolled at another school in the following scholastic year, even though they me, apparently yeah. Yeah. signed letters of intent to play at a uh, Division One school uh, uh, in, in Brooklyn. Uh, yes, so, uh, yeah, LIU, I believe, because I think, yes. And by the way, the two people in question are Jack Ballantyne and Jermaine Jackson Jr. It's been all over the place. Um, <clears throat> and it's interesting, yeah, it's interesting because on verbal commits, when you look at their roster on verbal commits, Jack Ballantyne's name has been sitting on that, sitting in their, on their roster for like a year now, which is, so it's, it's funny that he decided instead of just going straight to LIU, you just decided not to enroll in anything at all. Um, no, they went straight to Spire Academy in Northeast yeah, Ohio. They did. And, um, and that is just one of those weird things in how, the APR regulation is uh, calculated kind of like yeah. it's kind of like the weird thing that happened to Oakland a few years ago when Jalen Hayes had a good grade point average, but it wasn't enough in the particular major that he was in. Huh. And um, he, the NCAA apparently was trying to make him ineligible for an entire term or an entire year. And uh, it was kind of it was a rather screwy situation. Well, I think I think all, all we know is that it's the issue with us is not caused by no. abnormally low performance in the classroom. It's caused by a large number of transfers. Yeah. I think I, yeah, I think Ballantyne. You're, uh, you mentioned you mentioned Spire. You mentioned the Spire situation because Jermaine Jackson Senior went to go coach them because they all wanted to be big ballers. Remember, because that's because remember that was because that was last year and that was when Lamelo Ball and Lavar and that whole freaking clown show came to you know, the East uh, came to extreme Northeastern Ohio. Jesus Christ! I'm glad that's over. <laughs> Where's Jermaine Jackson Jr. at nowadays? I went he to is, high school with him. That would be again. Uh, he's a, he he also is at Long Island. Look you know, too, right? Supposedly, yes. Okay. He does indicate on his Twitter account that he is at LIU, although LIU has not um, released its roster either. Yeah. Um, okay. So uh, maybe we're engaged in a game of chicken with them. Who's going to release their roster first? Um, <laughs> But, we better um, hurry up. We're getting close to we're getting close to the start of the season. <laughs> um, we'll have our roster out this week. Um, Davis Davis has the viewpoint that the roster should be released close to the first day of official practice. Gotcha. So that's, so that's how so, we, so theoretically, when we post the second episode, the second the second episode. The rosters, yeah, because I know that uh, a bunch of the other schools, I know a bunch of other places, they haven't even taken pictures yet. So, yeah, that, that makes perfect sense. Um, we, well, I actually wanted to talk about that schedule, that non-conference schedule, too, because basically Mike Davis pretty much loaded up on guarantee games. And, wow, that that, that has to be a that's, – that, that looks like he's breaking in quite a, quite a bit of money on that. Well, as a – as the smallest uh, member yeah. of the Horizon League with only uh, 2,800 full-time yeah. undergrad students, 
um, we appreciate all the money that we can get. There you go. I think it, and I know that's what my and I and I'm pretty and that kind of follows a that kind of follows his kind of mo as well because he did he did a lot of that down in uh, he did a lot of that down in Texas Southern too so that was that was one good part that was one you know really key part of that because I know buy games are a really big part of the mid major kind of you know the mid major operations now um, where to the point where. There are stipulations in your contract now for some coaches that they have to generate a certain amount of money on guarantee games. Um, presumably, Mike Davis has one of those. I know Dennis Gates, when he was hired at Cleveland State, has one of those as well. Um, well, I, I don't know if he does, yeah. um, Bob, but his view is this. The Horizon League is a one-bid league. Yes. Um, if you're not your first, you're last. Your- your record isn't going to matter. You're not going to be seated more than number 14 unless you upset a power team in uh, the, your non-conference schedule. And therefore, what's the difference if we come in at 14, 15, or 16? What's the difference what our non-conference record yeah. is? We want to win the games, of course, but his aim is to win the uh, Horizon League and to win it regularly. Well, I'll tell you. I'll tell you. I'll tell you this. There have been a handful of 15s that have beaten twos. There has been one 16 that's beaten a one, and there have been a bunch of 14s that have beaten threes. Yes. So, as somebody who has been at a school and has been around this conference for a long time, the thing that just bothers me is that we we are now to the point where most, if not all, of the schools are saying, okay, this is a one-bid league. Let's put everything together to win the conference tournament. Who cares about anything else? And that's exactly how this conference got to be crap in the first place, is you had schools that never took the non-conference season seriously. Well, that's a good question. Amen to that, Jimmy. That is spot on. And then they come into the conference season – and they'd be great. Yeah. And I mean, it, it was, it was, it's so bothersome to me because this is how we get caught down here in the 20 and below of the RPI. Like this is, this is what happens to the, to conferences. They, that have potential. There are seven schools in this conference who, who could win games in the NCAA tournament. Green Bay has won. Cleveland State has won. Milwaukee has won. Detroit has won. Go go down the list. Cleveland, Cleveland State. There's so many schools yeah. that have won NCAA tournament games. And so, uh, yeah, sure, a couple of them were doing it in Division Two, but that's just because they just haven't been up in Division One long enough. We can do it. But we can't do it if everybody looks at the non-conference season as a way to get paid, and not oh. a way, and not a way to build up the strength of the conference overall. The question we not, took our, yeah, go ahead. yeah, but we're not looking at it as a way to get paid. We're looking at it as a way to build a stronger team and have a stronger strength of schedule, which in turn helps our own RPI or our own net rating. Because the way the net rating is uh, constructed, that uh, losing on the road is only half a, a negative half point 
Um, and if you lose on the road to a power team, um, that's in many respects better than beating a lower seed. That's why he's not enthused about the Summit League challenge because that puts uh, possibly two games on his schedule that might be against inferior net-rated teams. And um, therefore, he, his attitude is he's going to make the schedule even tougher next year. Well, let me ask you. Uh, I'm sorry. Can I just jump in here? Like yeah, sure. I firmly think that while it makes sense what, um, what Rick is talking about with Mike Davis, that is backwards thinking at its finest. The league, you know, like losing on the road is better than, no, winning is always better. Even if, you know, that's the whole thing that these programs and people I read around the league, I read the Detroit board, I read the Wright State board, everybody's like, hey, let's get out of this crap league. I want to go to the A-10, I want to go to the MBC. These schools need to invest in the things that will get you to that next level. You need to be investing in better coaching salaries, better practice facilities, better travel budgets. You need to be, you know, having everything operating as a winner, not as a, well, we'll go out and get our ass kicked on the road because that will build us for the one bid of the league and be a 14 seed so we can get our ass kicked in the tournament and then the league gets nowhere. I, I'm sick of that. I, I'm really sick of that. And Green Bay does it too. We've got five bye games on the schedule this year. Sick of it. Yeah, I've never thought about uh, kind of the non-conference schedule like that. Uh, I totally agree, though, with what you're saying. We need to make a name for the conference to kind of show that we're not just here for conference play, just trying to get that one bid. Oh, I mean, well, the, so my question then, be given, so how you, know, do you get how do you get the second bid? There's if if your um, if your strength of schedule is in the bottom third, or if your uh, you have 24 wins and your um, and your average opponent has a much lower net rating than you. So how do, how do you how do you get in? How do you get in? Raise the uh, second and third place teams to be a better team that gets the higher net rating. That's if you a, don't play the power team. Well, that's a good I mean, question. I think that's the system is what I'm saying. And then, and that's a good question. That's what a good question you bring up. And that's I think that's something that this conference has struggled with, specifically over the at least the last recently over the, ever since uh, you know, over the last four or five seasons, where. Nobody has no. While you have the one team that's clearly the favorite, you haven't had a. You've had a situation where it's not, where teams are not. You know, have had down years. You've had flat out. We've had flat out anchors. You know, where do what what needs? Yeah, that's a good question. What needs to happen in this conference as a whole to be able to? get to that point and i like i said i don't think and i've said it multiple times i think this conference is well at least it was better off this year than it was last year of course i could be 100 percent wrong which is a problem but what does this conference need to do as a whole to get to that point where they are where they can compete for a second or, or even a second at least a second bit or are, I, we just, I, I, are we just at a point here, where it's it's, it's, it's me, we're at the point of no return? Let me hop in here. Yeah. Um, you know, Rick mentioned the some you know Mike Davis not being such so hot about the idea of the Summit League challenge. The problem is is that the the conference overall every everybody plays games that are worse than Summit League games. 
So really, what this what this conference is doing? I mean, is Mike Davis playing? Every, is every game Mike Davis scheduling better? No. Better than the the potential summer looking league at games? looking at no. looking at the current schedule. I mean, he's got like SIU Edwardsville in there. I mean, swap it out with right. a summit league team. I mean, right. is it any different? No. No, in fact, it's, it's in fact it's worse. SIU Edwardsville is is trash. Which it's yeah, a trash. They, it's a trash program. I don't even know what conference they're even in. Are they? They're in the OVC, right? Oh yeah, yeah. Yes. They're in the OVC. Yes. Yeah, they're in the OVC. That's, 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 they're twenty minutes. They're twenty minutes outside of St. Louis. They have, their arena is like, um, it's like what the Gentile Center was before the update. Like it's just it's it's just a, a glorified high school gym. They, the, there's nothing about Edwardsville that is something anybody wants to go to. So naturally, their basketball program has never been shit in Division One. No. So coming back around to it, if Mike Davis doesn't want to play the Summit League Challenge because he's afraid of having two bad teams on his schedule, should he not be should he be scheduling? SIU the other argu- as well. The other argument that I don't really understand either is that I, and, and his the other argument I've had is that well why don't you have a, a Horizon League Mac challenge? Um, couple reasons for that. First of all, I if you look at every schedule of every Horizon League team, they're playing no less than two or three Mac teams anyway. I mean, well, so so that really I what mean, this is a really what this is about is it's it's about getting uh, putting a better putting together a better non-conference schedule for everybody so that everybody can go out and and come into the conference with a better net rating which when they fi- when they do do that and they're all against each other that will all lift you know the rising tide kind of raises all ships where yeah. we all play a better schedule the problem is is that at our level or at least the level that we used to be at a good mid major not a great mid-major, but a good mid-major conference. Mm-hmm. It is hardest to schedule at that spot. The good hey, teams don't want to play you at neutral sites. Sorry, what were you going to say? You know, this is a financial problem beyond anything else. Sure. It's a $300,000 financial problem per team. A hundred grand is the going rate for a buy game. You want to get some home games against decent teams? You want to play Murray State? Give them a hundred grand, and they're going to come play the game, just like they play everybody else. Uh, you know, it's a financial problem, and it's also a little bit of a scheduling alliance problem. Like the, you know, get outside your region and go play the try to see if the top CSU teams will play or the top Sun Belt teams will play. But they're, you know, it should bother everybody to their core that the MVC doesn't play hardly any games against the Horizon because they view their league as a way better league than the Horizon. They don't want to play us. And right and, now they're right. They are right, but. What is it that you have to do? It's this is a at the end of the day, this is a money problem. Every program needs to be spending at the right state level. Right state. Look at their schedule this year. They're going to have a ton of wins. They don't have a great schedule, but they've got a couple of teams in there at the mid-major level that could help move their needle. Uh, and they'll probably not be an at-large candidate, but they're going to be probably a top 100 net team without going out on the road and getting their ass whooped four or five times. Yeah, and I totally agree that it's going to be a financial issue. Um, has to do with i forget who said it but he said it was like uh practice facilities and then also travel budgets are a big thing i think it also has to do with being kind of that not a great mid-major but a good mid-major you're not going to have those teams that are core teams where the players stay around for all four seasons 
they're going to be transferring, trying to go to different schools. And then when you're playing by transfers, like Oakland has been the last two years, you're basically starting over. That, that and you're not going to go up. That wasn't us. You you put yeah. together you put together a, a, a culture of accept, of acceptance for kids, a culture that it maybe isn't built around just straight up winning basketball games, but is built around being supportive of your players and being really oh, a yeah. role player. And those kids are going to stay. Jeter totally rarely had transfers at EWM, and that and and he was a coach during the transfer epidemic for half of his tenure. So I don't I don't buy this idea that we're automatically going to lose our best players. I think that I think that we lose our I think that we lose our great players because we're not doing a good enough job to we're not, we're not doing a good enough job of making them feel welcome, making them feel like they want to be here and stay here. That's that's well, how that's it, it basketball while while the kids aren't getting paid, we have to start start transitioning this to be some more supportive of the players themselves and just stop expecting that we're stop, stop treating the players like we're all Kentuckys of the world and they should be happy to be here and get a scholarship. We need to do more. And that goes, that ties into, we need better operational budgets. We need better coaching staff, staff salaries. We need to be able to spend money on the, on buy games to get good, you know, better teams to come play us, or we need to be able to be willing, like Davis is doing with Detroit Mercy, we need to be willing to go and play anybody anywhere. So if it's about taking that bye game against Cal and then going out to the West Coast and whipping the shit out of them or, or you know, taking a loss that in the long run doesn't hurt us very much, then we should do that. And those and those kids that play here will enjoy going on the trip and going to the to the high major place. We need to, we need them to we need them to get support at the schools. We need to get them to support, um, you know, on, on on the court. We need to not treat them like they're just, you know, spokes in a wheel. Like we need we need to yeah. be. Uh, the, the the reason kids transfer is because they don't feel welcome. They don't feel like they're going to do things better. It's not about it's not about making a pro career anymore. It can't be because in this conference, we have had we have, we have in the last five to six seven years, we've had a a bunch of players get into the NBA. Yeah, even even end of the bench. It doesn't matter. The since. In the last five, six, seven years, as things like the Horizon League Network have flipped into to become ESPN Plus and all that, the the scouts will find you in the Horizon League. So it's not the oh, I'm going to go play at this high major school because I get better talent to play against. That's not as much of a thing anymore because the scouts aren't just going to Kentucky games. The scouts can watch the Cleveland State game. Yeah. So it's not it's not about talent level alone. There there's that we're not doing a good enough job. If, if you're losing your best players to other schools, it's because your coaching staff and your university are not good doing a good enough job creating a support infrastructure for those players to want to stay in the first place. There and I agree. I agree with that. And then you build on top of that. There's things that used to be competitive advantages like Horizon League Network. I know, Jimmy, I know you love the old Horizon yes. League Network. Yeah, everybody's streaming their games now on the internet, so that's not an advantage for us anymore in the Horizon League. Like we need the next thing, and you know, you look at in the the MAC, like 
Bob, you talked about the Mac. Yeah. There's only two two coaches in the Mac make less than three hundred thousand dollars per year. Most of those guys are making four hundred plus. Some of them are close to six hundred. John Croce at Illinois is gonna be at six fifty after this year. Like they're the investment from these programs, and that's from Akron, a school that's dying is spending money on basketball yeah. at that rate. That's true. You know, like we're getting guys in and we're operating this league like it's a bottom level league right now. We're resting on our laurels. And you know what? Butler's what not walking through that what, door. What laurels are we resting <laughs> on anymore? I mean, Jesus Christ. Yeah, you're absolutely well, right. Did you did you listen to the, the Horizon podcast with Lacrone? Oh, Jesus Christ. Yes, I listened yes, to it. Yes, I know you did. You can admit <laughs> it in public. Everybody no, I, I, I said it. I said I last listen episode. To it yet. I will listen. I will listen to the Horizon round. I will listen to the Reach. The, yeah. I will listen. I will, I listened to the first episode. I have not. I have not gotten into the second episode. I will get to it eventually. I'm sure. But I did. Well, I did say. I did admit that I would. I would listen to it so you guys wouldn't have to. Um, I didn't want to spend a lot of time on that platform. I mean, but I mean, well, and I said, and I actually said it in the episode it was like the uh, we we brought we posted our episode our podcast episode about two or three days before the first episode of the reaching the horizon rome podcast with john lacrone um i thought for sure they were going to spend a lot more time on oh i don't know fall sports because that was kind of my thought that they were going to focus on teams that are currently playing right now that don't get a lot of representation um in any on any medium, let alone podcast. Um, and what did they talk about? They talked about adding Fort Wayne and talked about the goddamn Indianapolis in the tournament as a tournament host again. That's, well, you know, that was, was their was primary it like, discussion. Was it like they were making their pitch for why? Were like like they were trying to make their pitch as to why they didn't go with like NKU or why yeah. they, why no, they, they changed. Actually, up and uh, the, to go with Indy? actually, the they did, he did reveal who the finalists were. It was Indianapolis, it was Fort Wayne, it was Grand Rapids. Um, and then he went into the spiel about, you know, the thought process behind that. Like, you know, great. Um, I mean, but this is, this is you know, we're, we're in September right now. Um, and again, this is, the, he's talking about this, even though I was thinking, I was planning to listen, thinking he was going to be talking about uh, other sports. Again, some of which are actually playing right now. Um, but the, but the first two episodes shit, have been about basket. The first two episodes have been about basketball. The first uh, one of the things that, the, that first episode, Lacrone, that something that stood out to me is the the inference that he had about the league has a tremendous history, and it does. But yeah. the problem is it's fucking dire right now. Hey, would you like, like to know like, what the, you know what the, yeah, and he's been a part of it for twenty seven years. And you know what part of that history he keeps forgetting about is the fact that in ninety three ninety four he had to go scram he had to go get. It, but right, like in ninety two, ninety three, he had a whole boatload of schools leave on him, and he had to get. He brought in all the all the higher all these what were the midcon teams to replace them. I mean, he had to. He had to. He started this whole thing to begin with. Um, it, but that's my point. Is like I felt like he's resting on that. Like, hey, the league's been to the final four twice, and we've won tournament games. None of that's happened. Like we need to now invest in these programs. Stop playing road games on you know for money and invest in your program at the school level. Figure it out. Raise the money. Get it somehow. I don't. I don't think because I don't think you they gotta. We gotta stop. Or don't play for money. You can't play. You, have to, you, you have can't to play, play as many of them. Play, play but again, for money against teams that you can beat. Their Rutgers not a... gives money to teams that will beat them. 
But that's not his focus, by the way. That was never his focus. I mean, his focus forever and ever and ever has been, quote-unquote, on the student-athletes, even though we know money is involved all over the place. But that's that's like his, that's been the conference's overriding narrative forever and ever and ever has been on student-athletes. Well, if that's the case, fine. That's just lip service. Of course it is. I mean, and if that's the case, fine. Then if But if that was the case, then why the hell are we still talking about a tournament site and adding a new school when, again, you could be talking talking about student athletes who are currently in the middle of their volleyball season or their men's and women's soccer te- uh, soccer seasons or something like that that's actually going on as opposed to regurgitating I've, things I've, that happened I've, a month I'll say ago. This. I did not expect that on this co- this kind of podcast that centered on basketball that we'd be somebody be complaining that the the official conference podcast isn't talking about the little That's sports. what they pitched it as. That is what they pitched it as. And then well, like within, episodes, within five yeah, minutes, yeah, within knows. five minutes, Justin Kinder says, we're going to spend a lot of time talking about men's and women's basketball. Right. Like, state men's and women's basketball for that matter. Like, uh, I mean, I mean the first two, yeah, I mean, I, I thought my, my whole thought process on that was, okay, they're going to talk about these things that not anybody is talking about. And that's fine. But their first two episodes, were talking about things we talk about on this podcast. So it's like, in, in a much more sanitized version, I might add. So it's like, what the hell is the point? Just listen hey, to Bob, this. Can... If that's the case, just listen to this podcast. Jesus. We're way more entertaining anyway. At least we think we are. You know, one thing that came up on that podcast and come up many times, like the student-athlete experience. Yeah. And that's what surprised me that the Horizon League tournament format this year yeah. is, uh, it's like the CIT. You call it the whack-a-mole. Yeah. The season ends on a Saturday, the 29th of February, uh-huh. and on Tuesday, the 3rd of March, you are going to play – four teams are going to play road games, but they're not going to know necessarily where they play yeah. until Saturday. Mm-hmm. They're going to leave on Monday probably to go play those games. Yep. Then the, if they win on the road, they're not going to know where <laughs> they're going to play, and they're going to play on Thursday. And then if they win any of those games, they're going to play on Monday and Tuesday in, in, in Indianapolis. Like, if you – conceivably are going to be out of school for a week doing this, and then you get the right to be out of school again for uh, the NCAA tournament or the CIT or CBI or NIT or whatever you get in. Like, I can't understand how they think this format with uh, whack-a-mole play wherever we're going to play I'll on say two this. days' notice is going to work I'll say this. for student-athlete experience. Uh, I'll, I'll say this. I'm, I'm going to be in Indy for the conference tournament because it's a Monday-Tuesday thing. Um, that's more because I'm a car salesman. I can't be away on Saturdays. Like that's just <laughs> that's my day. But I, what, what I'll say is that you know this um, that that schedule has as much to do with ESPN yeah. dictating where you know that we have to have and our by the way, they, title and by game the way, on Tuesday night. And by the way, what's the, and by the way, Lacrone cop to that too. By the way, he mentioned. I mean, the 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 the, the, the television schedule itself. He, he that was a part of that first step. He mentioned he said said flat out that was a part of that was a factor. Well, we we know it's a part. It's been in. It's I mean, in again, the it's con- not, and again, it's not new things that we know. I mean, it's like okay, it's in there. Yeah, but ESPN doesn't. With ESPN. ESPN doesn't care if those other no. games are played on Tuesday and Thursday. In fact, it'd be cheaper for them to play them all Saturday, Sunday, Monday, Tuesday at one site with one crew with one production crew. Yeah, uh, yeah. Those, I mean, those those first two round games, the first two rounds. That is the ultimate and not a student athlete experience, in my opinion. Are you talking just the date the week it's on, or are you talking uh, the having at the higher seat and then down the road? You're saying that they're going to leave. If they're playing Tuesday, they're going to be out of school mm-hmm. Monday afternoon, all day Tuesday, coming back sometime on Wednesday, or going right to the Thursday game 
wherever that might be, and they're not going to know until oh. after they win on Tuesday. And then after they win, they're going to leave on Sunday to go play or be in Indianapolis by Sunday to do shoot around playing Monday. If they win, they're going to play on Tuesday, coming home on Wednesday. They're going to be out of school. But, you know, some of these teams are going to be not in school or in class for the better part of a week. Some, when of, those, they could be, some of those teams are going to go back Tuesday night. Like, I, I, I would not be surprised to see, like, like if, if Milwaukee had won – We'd like the title. We'd be we'd be coming back Tuesday night, yeah. like after after the game. Like they wouldn't stick around for Wednesday, but they'd also get back at two in the morning. True, I would so tell you, kids wouldn't even get there, so they probably wouldn't even go to class Wednesday morning. I would say, Jimmy, I know, like at the her, the Motor City Madness, they the champions and the losers were staying on Tuesday night, and then because most of the schools were busing because they didn't know when they're going to be going home. <laughs> Yeah. Right. To Detroit, they would send a bus on an empty leg to then drive them back home whenever it is that they lost. Most of those teams that were losing and were leaving in the morning, they weren't driving home at 10 o'clock at night. Comes back to operating budgets, because if you charter a plane, you can charter it for when you want to leave. Yeah, so... I mean, I don't, yeah, I, I, you know, that's that. It actually brings me up to the the conference schedule, which I did finally release, which is awesome, I guess. And that's the other thing. I was, I thought for sure they were going to talk about the the conference schedule in the first episode. They waited till the second episode to talk about it. Um, but I'm, I'm glad they at least got around to talking about it. I didn't get to that episode yet, so I'm not going to comment on that that second episode. But I wanted to talk a little bit about the conference schedule for us in this in this in this particular venue. Um, my again the the conference schedule starts at the end of December. Um, I, I guess my question, I mean, and Jimmy and I have had this conversation about the uh, about the the placement of that first set of games in the conference schedule, how it used to, how it used to be long ago, and it wasn't even that long ago where that where the Horizon you about League, the Horizon League played the first weekend of conference games before everybody else did. Yeah, we, the first, what was it? Yeah. I think it was like the first weekend of first weekend of December. Yes. Um, and they had those first game, they first games, and then about a month later, they had the conference schedule. My, why? It, it just seems to me, but they they haven't done that in a while, and now because the the schedule itself has moved up to from the second week in November to the first week in November, all those first week conference games are now at the end of the year, um, including, if I'm not mistaken, uh, I believe that uh, Oakland and Detroit are playing that first set of ga- their games at the end of correct. December, correct? And they're doing that so, right. Yeah. yeah, so they're doing that right during winter break. Yeah, so um, that's the kind of the problem I've had the last yeah. couple of years with this schedule is, Look at Detroit Mercy, who was our quote-unquote rival, because we kill them every year. But they're playing that over winter break. Now, we'll still have a good fan turnout, and we did last year due to the fact that the schools are so close to each other. But it does hurt student attendance that it is happening over winter break. You wouldn't think it wouldn't have as much of a thing because students are – there's such a high amount of students are commuters at Oakland. There is, yeah, and like I said, it, like I said, it didn't kill us, but you would definitely see a higher student turnout if it wasn't over winter break. Because no. we still do have about, we still do have a lot of students living on campus. I believe it's over seven thousand, if I'm remembering correctly. So what? I, so I mean, what? I mean, I guess my co- I got a couple. Of questions. If you're gonna do that, 
with with a with a with Oakland and Oakland and Detroit where Detroit Mercy where you know you're gonna you're gonna get fans but you play but the put you put that first game right in the middle of winter break if you're gonna do that why didn't you just do like a game that you know nobody's gonna show up to like UIC at IUPUI or something <laughs> I mean or or but and uh, but more to the point what is what is stopping this conference from not from doing what they used to do which is having that like distinction of having the first conference games played in that first weekend of December when I mean when not only are you gonna be one of the first conferences to you know to have games you're also gonna have students still on campus at that point in time. So I, I don't understand the whole thought process behind that. I mean, and maybe it's because some of the, I, I don't know, maybe it's because they finally got around, they got, thought, it, are there finals going on? I mean, I, I don't know what's up. Hey, Bob. Yeah. On uh, two things about that. I will give credit to the Reaching the Horizon podcast episode two. Uh, the lady, uh, Julie Rowe, something or other, yeah. did a really great job explaining how the schedule works and how they block the times for ESPN. Yeah. It would give you a lot of good insight. I will give them some props. Hate doing it, but I have to. And then the See, other thing too, is, remember again, that again, this is my this is my this is my problem. Totally ignorant. Didn't listen to that second episode. I should, I'm going to hell now. <laughs> no, but the one thing I'll tell you that's a little bit different. Back in the day, we used to play that first yeah. conference game in early December. Mm-hmm. That was also coinciding with the uh, bracket buster time period, where a weekend oh. in March was taken out. So getting the conference schedule in as it sits today, like they're starting uh, Green Bay starting on. Friday or December month or Saturday, December 28th, we're playing at Wright State first conference game and we're going nonstop every weekend through February 29th. So I feel like part of that way before was because they had um, a lost weekend. I, I, I could be wrong on that, but that seems, well, my that seems quite, well, see, my, my other thing, too, is I know that, I mean, we're starting our conference schedule but at the end of the year, at the end of December, but I don't know how many other schools are doing that starting at the end of the year because you know and i and i allude to the fact that um and i love this ohio state is playing west virginia at quicken loans arena or the rock house or whatever the hell they're calling it now they changed the name of it again i i don't care what it is um and they're doing that on december 29th and there's a second game and i can't remember who the hell it is phil do you remember who's playing that second game at uh, the Rock House or whatever that you know, whatever the hell they're calling it now. Oh man, it's a it's an A ten school. Yeah. Isn't it Marshall and uh, Ohio? Ah, uh, it's Duquesne. Duquesne. Okay. The other Marshall. Okay. So, all right. So yeah. So that. So those. Two, you know. So. Um, and that's on the, at the end of the year, right? When. The, so so obviously those four. Those four conferences that are being represented in that game aren't start didn't start their conference schedules at that point in time. So um, I don't know. It, it just seems to me that you know I, I get the argument that you know you're trying to make up for a lost weekend. Um, at the same time, I mean you're you're trying to get. Uh, I what well, the one thing I will say though, and I, I thank God they didn't do it this time. No, uh, there were no. No basketball games on that Saturday. On Saturday, <laughs> the last week of the NFL season. Thank God, because they did that last year, and I think I'm sure that went real well. You know, one thing I can say from a Green Bay perspective, like for our home games this yeah. year, uh, I really think, the, and I look at the whole league schedule. I think we're 
due for an uptick in attendance around the league. Uh, Green Bay is playing 12 of their 18 games on a Friday night, Saturday, or Sunday afternoon. Uh, we're only playing over the course of the season one Monday game yeah. at home, one Tuesday game, <clears throat> one Wednesday, and two Thursdays. I just think that getting those games at home is going to be on the weekends is going to help, and I think that's yeah. going around the league. And uh, one other thing I want to clarify for you, Big Ten conference play starts on Friday, December 6th this year. They are doing, because they have the extra games this year, they went to 20, they're yeah. playing a league game a week earlier. So they're doing it. Why can't we? Come on. <laughs> Yeah, I'm not saying we're. Yeah, we're definitely not the Big Ten. What are we? We're we're kidding ourselves. Oh, <laughs> uh, um, yeah. So that was the yeah. So that was my kind of bugaboo about that. And like I said, I haven't gotten around to listening to that. Yeah, I'm like I'm like an episode behind on that on the Reaching the Horizon podcast. So, <laughs> um, I'm yeah. Did, did they mention what they're talking about the the next couple of episodes? I don't know. I. I'm sure. Uh, I, now, by the way, I must mention the fact that I, by the time this comes out, I will have already listened to it. But I'm telling everybody, as as of this recording, I am ignorant and I'm a dumbass and didn't didn't listen to it. And I've broken my promise to all of you, and I apologize profusely. <laughs> so, I mean, um, the high <laughs> level of it, like uh, with Oakland, Detroit, and Youngstown, are the only schools in the league that control their buildings all the time. Mm-hmm. Everybody else is you know sharing i think of you know jimmy at uwm panther arena you're sharing with soccer uh, hockey green we'll bay see, shares. but we're, but but we whoa, are whoa, the whoa, first whoa, whoa, whoa. We'll we are the first, uh, first deal. well that's because nothing's getting booked there but they are well, no they shit, do not but, you know <laughs> <laughs> they're trying to book other things there but yeah they yeah but no theoretically the wolstein center CSU controls what's going on at the Wolstein Center, theoretically. Also, theoretically, men came from monkeys. So, I mean, there you go. Yeah, yeah back to attendance. I think we're due for an overall attendance boost in the league. I think Oakland's going to have a great attendance again this year. And also our student section. I believe our student section is the strongest in the year each year. And I believe we're going to bring it again this year. So, yeah. yeah. So, that's it. Yeah. That, that, and, and I'm glad you brought that up, too, because I know attendance has been an issue. Um, for a lot of schools, one of them being IUPUI, shocking no one. Um, one of them being Cleveland State, also shocking no one. Um, as far as all the other schools, I mean, the, it, it, as far as attendance, you know, as attendance is concerned, is, is it a matter? Are you going to see a little bit of an uptick? I know Chris said yes, they did, um, and I think probably in the case of Cleveland State, they can't go anywhere but up. I'm saying there's good, there's nowhere to go but up. Well, I think our attendance will be up again. We were up 55% over yeah, prior true. year, and we averaged over, we averaged almost the same for a, a Horizon League game as UIC did, and UIC has 10 times the enrollment that we do. That's true. Um, when uh, Chris out at Oakland says he has 7,000 students living on campus there we have 800 um and if everybody if every full-time undergrad at our school appeared at a game that would be 2300 people so um keep that in mind when you talk about us in attendance that we have to go outside of um our uh core student body 
in order to make Callahan half full. So I think you'll see us doing a little bit better this year uh, because of Antoine Davis yeah, and, yeah. and because of um, uh, other things that we're doing to market. Yeah. Um, in terms of the the Horizon League podcast that Lacrone did, um, I the thing I took out of it as a Detroit Mercy fan was that if um, we were not already in the league by our own inertia, that uh, he would not want us in the league because he talked about um, and about all the large public universities where all the building and growth are going on around the urban areas, and yeah. uh, and uh, he and and he and then out of the side of his mouth, it's like, <laughs> oh yeah, little Detroit is doing okay, um, but you know, little, I, I, little it's, Detroit it's, is embarking on. Uh, a significant upgrade to the facilities um, that um, just started this year, and we are um, embarking on a $10 million upgrade uh, to everything from Callahan to a separate practice facility to uh, a more modern uh, soccer and lacrosse field and, and everything. And um, now that the school is financially solvent again and we're operating uh, at break even, uh, we don't have the luxury of going to uh, the taxpayers of any state or even uh, having uh, the ta even having access to bond markets for to build things that other schools do. But I'm just letting you know that the right state guy was talking about why don't you upgrade your facilities well it's coming and it's coming on a butler level from us between now and 2024 and you will see mark changes on campus while at milwaukee sounds, jimmy sounds you want to, to throw me, that in there sounds 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 to me like we're we're gonna detroit mercy's gonna get good enough to get out of the conference before anybody else <laughs> well i mean there's a lot that's the last private school that's true, and they've and they've been here longer than everybody else, and the 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 fellow Jesuits at Loyola are gone, fellow private schools at Butler are gone. Valpo is here for a hot minute; they're gone. The it's been a long time since LaSalle and Duquesne, Duquesne used to not be a non-conference game, but you know du, the, the, these these schools are long gone. Marquette and Notre Dame are long gone, so. With Milwaukee, Cleveland State, all these schools are public except one. Yep. So I wouldn't be surprised to see Detroit leave. I, hey, Jimmy. I still th Project I still think for the later. Mayak, I still think the Mayak is a hell of a hell of a place to gun for, but who knows? Maybe they can back you know back into the A10 somehow. I don't know. We may stay. I'm just saying. I'm just saying uh, the school is uh, just started on uh, uh, a three to four year plan of uh, investing capital into the athletic program and not just into men's basketball. Yeah. And, yeah. and I'm, the, the, I'm sorry, go ahead. I would say one of the things, you look at the history of the league, 14 schools have left the league, 13 of them were private, one's public, the one that yeah. was public was NIU, and they let their play high, well, higher level football. Yeah, I think it's great that Detroit's investing in their facilities because their facilities are on the bottom tier right now. But something that's good for any team that wants to leave the league going forward, 
they're going to need to invest capital in their operating budget just as much as their facilities. Yeah. And yeah. You know, when you look at some of these schools like Detroit, if they're spending a good amount in basketball, but to get to a Missouri Valley or Atlantic 10, these leagues aren't going to take in the the school that has the lowest attendance and the lowest operating budget. Like they got everybody in this league's got to get their game going. Everybody in this league needs to be spending three plus million dollars on men's basketball if they want the league to go anywhere and if they want to go anywhere. Yeah. Wow, that that's a that's a hell of a way to end the show. Ways of getting out of the conference. <laughs> so I'm gonna go ahead and uh, I'm gonna go ahead and wrap this uh, this episode this episode up, gentlemen. I appreciate uh, appreciate your time to coming on the podcast. Uh, it was a great conversation by everyone. Yeah, thanks for having me. For having me. And as always, you can uh, find episodes of the Horizon Roundtable on horizonroundtable.com. Got to make sure I keep remembering that's our freaking site because apparently I can't ever remember it, even though I say it five thousand times a day. Um, you can also find uh, you can find the episodes of the uh, podcast on wherever you can find podcasts, as well as your Apple, uh, your Amazon or Google devices. And gentlemen, thank you very uh, th- thanks for coming in again, and thank you all for listening. Awesome, go Oakland. <laughs> Take care, everybody. Have a good one, guys. Nice, t- nice talking and chatting with all you guys. There you yeah, go. thank you. <laughs>